Hey there! Welcome back to the Brookwood Students Podcast. Join us as we continue the series, Sorry, from Pastor Kevin Nunnery. Today's scripture is Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, where Kevin will explore Christ's call for us to forgive others. Remember, forgiven people forgive people. Now let's get to it. Here is Pastor Kevin Nunnery. All right, well, if I'm not looking at you tonight while I'm talking, it's nothing personal. Uh, We're just in a circle, so it may be difficult, and I may get dizzy if I walk around too much. But uh, we are wrapping up our series, Sorry. If you remember back two weeks ago, we talked about how important it is for us to seek forgiveness. All of us need forgiveness from God, and if we're honest, there's probably somebody in our lives from whom we need to seek forgiveness. And if you've not done that, I just want to encourage you uh, to do so. Maybe you've been thinking about it for weeks and you just haven't, uh, and that is still something that you need to consider doing. Tonight, we're looking at the flip side of that coin. If we need to ask for forgiveness for ourselves, that means there are people in our lives that we need to forgive. Now, I don't know if you have any relationships like this. I do. Uh, It's my marriage, uh, where my wife is usually right and I am usually wrong. But on that rare, rare occasion when I am right, like I have done nothing wrong, it feels so good. Can anybody identify with that or am I just a wicked, sinful person? Okay. I mean, I, I am, but like... You feel like, gotcha. Like for once, it's not me, it's you. And it's not ambiguous. It's not like 50-50. You're wrong and I'm right. And you feel so good about it. And I just have to tell you that's that's super wrong. You shouldn't feel that way. Um, Some of you will get this reference from Star Wars. Uh, This is you. You'll start to to just really think that you've got the high ground. And for those of you who don't know uh, how this ends, very badly for the other guy. Uh, You love to have the high ground. Or if you feel like, hey, I've got them. They got nothing on me. You'll take that position And uh, hey, can we switch it into message view? Because for some reason, this stuff's not showing up right. But I'll go back and then I'll come back. There it is. There's you and then there's your friend. Like you'll take that truth and you'll just dunk on them. Like, take that. I'm right and you were wrong. And you feel so good about it. And when you do that, you are right, but you're also wrong. That's not good. That's not how we should live our lives. Uh, We don't want to be people who take the truth and wield it as a weapon. We don't want to take the high ground and try to just chop people apart because we're right and they're wrong. We want to be a people of grace, mercy, forgiveness. And that can be very difficult for some of us. I'll just publicly confess, I struggle to forgive people. And I won't ask you to raise your hands because I know that's true for, for some of us in this room. If you got a handout, as you came in the door tonight, you see you've got two blanks with the verses in the middle. And I've talked about this before, but I want you to think through this. Relationship versus right. Relationship versus right. And I won't lie to you, this is not something that goes away when you graduate high school. This is something that daily you're going to have to walk through with the people you're closest with. Which of these things is more important to you? Is it the relationship? Is it the the time that you've spent with this person? Or is it you being right? Now, if I'm honest, I care a lot about being right. Uh, I'm an Enneagram 8, if you know anything about that. Uh, I have a high priority on truth. And like, I just, sometimes to the point where, like to a fault, 
And, and I'll say things, uh, and my wife will tell me, hey, it's not about right or wrong. And like, that does not compute in my brain. I'm like, everything is about who's right and who's wrong. And maybe you're like me, and maybe that's completely foreign to you, but I'm just telling you, when you value being right over that relationship, you are going to do a lot of long-term damage in your friendships, in your family, one day as you're trying to pursue potentially a husband or a wife. There is a reason why that passage you hear so often at weddings from 1 Corinthians talks about love keeps no record of wrongs. But man, some of us are real good at it. Like you might not have a note open on your phone, but you definitely have that mental checklist of everything that that person has ever done to you. And when you value being right over a relationship, you're doing a lot of long-term damage. If you've got a Bible tonight, I want to look at Colossians chapter 3, just a handful of verses. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses uh, 12 through 15. Colossians 3, 12 through 15. If you didn't grab a Bible and you're like, I can't really move and get one now because uh, we're in a circle, that's okay. Uh, so Colossians 3, 12 and 13 to start, and then we'll, we'll go from there. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let's just kind of unpack some of this if we can. Uh, looking at verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Man, you could stop right there. That sentence is beautiful. That's the Bible telling us that God chose us and he loves us. Like some of us, that's all the encouragement you need tonight is remember that God sees you, knows you, loves you. He chooses to interact and engage with us. That is good news. But because of that, you must not you get the choice, not if you're feeling like it, not if you're in a good mood. You must close yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We'll come back to that list in just a minute. Make allowance for each other's faults. Years ago, and I've told this story before, years ago, uh, my high school pastor, uh, he and I planted a church together. So he was our lead pastor, and I was the youth pastor. And we had some great volunteers. Uh, and uh, one volunteer in particular, uh, I had a rocky relationship with. And this was one of those situations I was describing earlier. I was right. And I'm not just saying that with hindsight. Like, I was the person who was in the right. But look at me. I was a jerk about it. Like, I was overly aggressive. I was way more mean than I had to be. And I was dunking on this person. And they left. I remember my high school pastor saying to me, hey, man, you extend no grace to anyone, but you expect everyone to give that to you. Like when you mess up, you want people to judge you by your intentions, which were never evil or malevolent. But when someone messes up, you judge them by what you've seen, not by their intentions. He said, this cannot last. This will not work. And if I'm honest, I was super mad at him at that point. Like I got in my car, drove way too fast home, was just seething. You know what that's like. And the more I thought about it, and the more I prayed on it, the more I reflected on it, 
realize this is a person who loves me. He's not saying anything to me just to be ugly or mean-spirited. This is a person who has known me for years and years. I think there's probably some biblical wisdom here. So, hey, sometimes a pastor, a group leader, a peer might say something to you and you're, you get super sideways. But stop and ask yourself, like, is this biblical wisdom? Is this someone who loves me and knows me? Then you got to start really chewing on that. And, and here's what I know. Making allowance for other people's faults is not my strong suit. But where God has been gracious in my life is the woman that I married is perhaps the most gracious person that I know. To the point where when we get into fights and arguments, I told you, I really care about who's right and who's wrong. And when I am wrong, I will say, hey, I was wrong. I'm really sorry. And she'll say, hey, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Which I push back on and go, no, it is a big deal. I was wrong. The way I spoke to you, the way I handled that, the way I dealt with this is not okay. We've got to make allowance for each other's faults. If you can't do that, one, you're not honoring Christ. Two, you will have very shallow relationships for the entirety of your life because no one's going to want to get close to you if you can't make allowance for other people's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And he talks about this love which binds us together. Hey, we live in incredibly divisive times. What you believe about this might be different than the person next to you or the person who sits beside you in class, or how you think about this particular hot button issue might create a chasm between you and a close friend. But what binds us together in perfect harmony is love. There's a reason why we can come in here as the body of Christ and maybe not agree on every single thing and still choose to love each other. And it talks about the peace from Christ ruling in your hearts and says that we're one body. If you want to read more about this, you want some homework, go read 1 Corinthians 12. I considered adding that tonight, but then I did not. 1 Corinthians 12, you can go read where it talks about one body, many parts, and how they're all valuable. It talks about living in peace and being thankful. From these four verses, I pulled out this list, which you can see up on the screen now. Mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, love, harmony, peace, and being thankful. When you look at that big list over here and that kind of small list back here, uh, I want you to just take a minute and ask yourself, does this describe me? Like if I went to your house tonight and asked your family, or I came and hung out with you and your friends tomorrow, would they describe you this way? Yeah, an incredibly merciful person, super patient, loving, kind, if these are not words that you feel are descriptors of you, you have to begin to ask yourself, like, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide my life? Or am I saying that he's Lord, but in fact, I just do whatever I want? Forgiveness is not optional. Being a people who live in this way is not up for debate. Like, there are some things in the Bible that people disagree on, like, ah, this passage could be interpreted this way, or perhaps the Hebrew has been mistranslated. We could, people love to debate these things. There are some things that are crystal clear and are not difficult to discern or understand, and everyone across every theological tradition would agree on. This list is one of those things. So if you don't see this in yourself, the fruit of the Spirit developing, my friend, I challenge you to really dig in. Where is your relationship with Christ? Where to be a people of forgiveness and reconciliation. 
Now, you see on your handout there in the middle, I've got some stuff. Uh, I want you to write this down. Forgiveness requires one person. Reconciliation requires two. And you may think that's an arbitrary distinction. I disagree. Forgiveness requires one person. Meaning, you can choose to forgive somebody even if they don't even believe they've done something that needs to be forgiven. I don't know if you've ever had that conversation. Years ago, with another volunteer, are you getting a pattern here? I've struggled with being a jerk most of my life. Uh, I'm, I, I got all psyched up for this meeting with this volunteer. And we sit down, and I had realized that I had, again, I think I was right, but I had not handled it the best way. But I came in, and this is how I led off the conversation. Hey, I want you to know that I understand I didn't handle everything well. I hope you can forgive me. And I've come here today. I want to forgive you. And without missing a beat, what I got back was, I haven't done anything that needs forgiveness. How dare you say that to me? Which immediately made my blood boil and I wanted to like physically fight. Okay, I'm just telling you this is who I am. I'm not proud of it. I just know who I am. Forgiving someone, even when they don't think they have done anything that they need to be forgiven for, is proof that forgiveness really only requires one person. When you forgive somebody, who's that for? First and foremost, it's for you. Now, yes, that is for that other person too, but primarily that's about you and your heart because some of you have been walking around with some hate, with some grudges, with some bitterness, and you, like, you lay awake at night fantasizing about ways to get even or get ahead or get revenge, all of which are not biblical. And the person that you hate, if we could just be honest, has no idea. They don't even know they did anything to you. It was an unintentional slight. They're not even aware of it, and you're walking around bitter. I've heard it said this way. Refusing to forgive somebody is like drinking poison yourself and expecting them to die. The person you're hurting is you. Forgiveness requires one person. They might not acknowledge it. They might not be in your life anymore. It could be somebody who's passed away. And you can't even go and have that conversation. But again, you work through it with the power of the Holy Spirit because forgiveness ultimately requires one person to take that step. Now, reconciliation takes two, meaning both people are coming to the table and saying, hey, I was wrong, I forgive you. Let's mend the relationship and put it back together. Forgiveness does not always lead to reconciliation. And sometimes it shouldn't. You're like, that's not biblical. That's not a pastoral thing to say. Hey, listen, someone who is hurting you, and I'm talking like, this is some deep level stuff, long-term abuse, trauma. These things exist in our world. We live in such a broken world. You still are called to work through and process towards forgiveness. And I'm not saying that's overnight or instantaneous. And it also doesn't mean that the relationship's gonna go back to how it was. Does that make sense? Is, is this getting conveyed in a way that makes sense? Thank you, Mac Dossie. I saw that nod. I appreciate that. Sometimes you working through forgiveness will not lead to the relationship being what it once was. Now, what it can't be is you still holding on to that stuff. When you forgive somebody, you got to be willing to let it go. You've had this happen. You've either done it or had it done to you where you work through and you feel like everything's good. But then the next time you have a fight, what do they do? They bring all that stuff right back up. That wasn't real forgiveness. That was just kind of kicking the can down the road. Reconciliation requires two people, and it's going to require a ton of humility on both people's parts to help put that relationship back together. 
Well, I mean, uh, is this something that's realistic? Can we do this? Like, again, what, what if they don't even think that they've done anything wrong? Well, here's what Jesus said. When you're in doubt about something like this, look at what Jesus said as he hangs on the cross. He prays and says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Jesus was offering forgiveness. These people didn't think there was anything wrong. They're gambling for his clothes. They're killing him. So was there going to be reconciliation there? No, probably not. Still working through forgiveness. That is something that you must do. We are called to do that. How many times? Like, how far do you go in forgiving somebody? Like, you have that limit. You may not be able to put it into words. This is something that they debated even in biblical times. Peter, this is in Matthew 18. Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Seven was like a perfect holy number. And so he probably thought, this is a good answer. Seven times. Nobody would actually forgive somebody seven times. And no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, who's really good at math? Anybody? 490. Who said that over here? Hell yeah, Pete. Good job. Okay. So this is a real question. Did Jesus literally mean 490 or did he mean we continue to forgive indefinitely? Yes, that, that answer. I did phrase it kind of weirdly. On 491, you don't go, you know what? That's it. I've been keeping track and you've used them all up. Jesus said 490 and no more. He's forgiven you so much more. You've messed up more than 490 times in your life. And Jesus stands willing to forgive you. You see, you got a box on your handout. I've got a bottom line there. And it's this, forgiven people, forgive people. Forgiven people, forgive people. I've told several stories tonight about how I struggle with this, but I also mentioned to you my wife. The longer I have known her, the longer I've been married to her, the more I have been able to move in this direction because the most important human relationship I have in the world has had an impact on my life. And my wife, who is gracious and forgiving, has helped me move in that direction. So if you're a person who struggles with forgiveness, hey, I would challenge you to look at your inner circle. How are they doing? Are they people who are quick to forgive, quick to show mercy? They're gracious, they're compassionate, they're humble. Are they dunking on people every time they get a shot? Are they taking the high ground and being wrong about how they are right? Forgiven people, forgive people. When you've been forgiven much, you are called to do the same for others. This is not optional. And I would ask you kind of just one final question. Who do I need to forgive? Now, for some of us, this might bring up some deep wounds, and, and it may not happen all at once here tonight. Some of you genuinely need to pursue counseling, talking to a professional. And if you've never heard somebody say this in church before, please hear me. That can be such a good, helpful, healthy, beneficial thing. Finding someone who can help you process through things is good, talking it through. I would tell you, you should probably lean towards finding a biblical counselor, like that's just my advice on top of that, but you may need to really unpack some stuff with a trained professional. Now your pastors here have some pastoral counseling training and we would love to help walk through some of that stuff with you, but you might need to talk to someone who's trained in ways that, that I'm not, that Jacob's not, that Birch is not, like, and we have connections. We can help you with that. 
But for some of us, it's not that deep level of trauma. You're just holding on to some pettiness. And I'm telling you that if you claim to follow Christ, you've got to start moving towards forgiveness. And again, I understand that's hard. It's a journey, but it's one we're called to walk. So who do you need to forgive? And what would stop you from doing so? Your pride, your arrogance? I I would beg you, I would get down on my knees and beg you if I thought it would make a difference. Don't let your pride stand in the way of reconciliation or at the very least forgiveness coming from you towards that person. With that in mind, I'm gonna invite Jacob to come back out. He's got one more song for us. And I would invite you to continue to wrestle with this question, who do I need to forgive? It's possible the person you need to forgive is you. you. You just have been so unwilling to let go of something that you've done. You're your own toughest critic and you refuse to stop and realize that if Jesus says you're forgiven, that you can live and walk in that forgiveness. And that might be what's holding you back from forgiving others. You just won't let go of it inside yourself. And so you won't forgive other people and you're missing out on forgiven people forgiving people. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus saw every awful thing you would ever imagine or do and still willingly sacrifice his life for yours. And that invitation stands available to you to repent, believe the good news, trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, to be forgiven by him and live a transformed life of forgiving others. So I'm gonna pray and I just encourage you to ask God what step he has for you tonight. Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there something you need to let go of? Is there a step that you can take? Let me pray. God, we love you and we thank you for loving us. We do not deserve your love, God, but you give it anyway. You are gracious, compassionate, merciful, kind, slow to anger and quick to forgive. But God, so much of the time we are the exact opposite. We are quick to get angry, unwilling to forgive. And so my prayer, Holy Spirit, is that you would convict each of us. If there is bitterness, a grudge, some hurt or hang up that we are holding on to with a death grip, Holy Spirit, would you just begin to loosen some of that within our heart and mind and help us to be a people who forgive as we have been forgiven. In these next few minutes, we just invite you to speak to us. We love you in Christ's name. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message podcast. What a great reminder that we can forgive just because of how greatly we have been forgiven. We hope that you can make time to read through Colossians 3, 12 through 15 this week and look for opportunities to put forgiveness into action. Join us next time as we begin the new series, Parables. And remember... Become disciples who make disciples.